The Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, episode 134, Sunday, June 21st, 2009. Okay, so this is the Paunch Stevenson Show. Paunchstevenson.com. I am Rob, you are Greg. Yeah. So remember a few episodes ago... I went to the old historic Jersey Lowe's Theater. Uh, yeah. And I reviewed went there again. Well, hold on. I reviewed The Lion in Winter and the original Journey to the Center of the Earth from nineteen fifty-nine. Which was actually a very good movie. So I went there and I saw I saw an old uh nineteen twenty seven silent movie. Starring Buster Keaton. <laughs> and I've heard good things about Buster Keaton. I've never seen one of his movies. Never saw a funny thing happen on the way to the forum? No. God. This is my first the, Buster Keaton. Don't. Alright, well, so this is my first... <laughs> Miserable. This is my first Buster Keaton movie. Right. And the cool thing about this theater, you know, we've talked about it. It's from 1929. Volunteers have restored it. It's really cool inside, and in the actual theater, whenever they play silent movies, they get an organist to play the old um, Wonder Morton organ. And they have all the instruments built uh, on the insides of the walls. So he's playing all these keys. It's like it's like something out of a weird, crazy movie. He's like playing all these keys, and there's there's organs and, and trumpets and drums, and it's it's unbelievable. So they started off the movie with a Buster Keaton short film called Cops. And it was pretty funny. Thought it was pretty good. And and it it prepared me for the main movie. Just to, to kind of get into it and see how see what Buster Keaton looks like, see what he acts like. So then they show the feature film. Again, 1927. It's called The General. And I went into this movie. I knew nothing about it. So I went in fresh, and I I have to say it was a very, very fantastic movie, I thought. I'm thinking, okay, it's 1927, it's probably going to be really cheesy and dated and lame, and the jokes are probably going to be kind of corny, like the the visual jokes, because there's no sound. And it was a very well-done movie. I felt like it wasn't dated at all. And when I left the theater on my way back around the block to where I live, my apartment, I was thinking, I was thinking about it. And I thought, you know, (laughs) I just realized I just watched a silent movie and I didn't even realize it was a silent movie. Mm. That's how good it was. And you know what the problem with it is? (laughs) What? If someone else found your review of this movie so enticing and exhilarating <laughs> that they said, I just have to run out and I've got to uh, see this movie. <laughs> Where are they supposed to see this stupid On DVD. Thing? Oh, please. I know, it's not the same as seeing it in the big theater with the live organ and everything on the big screen, but I would love to see it again on DVD. I thought it was a great... and And... Again, several episodes ago, I have the same 
comment that I had about the night was in 1968, uh, The Lion in Winter. Just like with that movie, this movie, The General, 1927, yeah. supposed to take place in the 1860s, the visuals were fantastic. It looked right. completely authentic. It, it looked like the 1860s to me. The, the, the trains, the outfits, you know, again, like The Lion in Winter, people weren't perfectly clean with perfectly combed hair and their outfits were... No, it was like the, it was the South, it was old, the people had, uh, you know, if they were on the train running around, their hair got messy, their, their uniforms got dirty. It was very realistic and natural. And I feel like the movies today, I don't know, it's just too polished or it's, it's too, like, maybe the lighting or, or the, the film is too overprocessed or something. I don't know. I can't explain it. Well, I think the moral of this, of your long-winded story is that uh, you should see some of the older movies because they are pretty good. And I've told you this for years and you never, you know, when I bring up these movies and then you have no idea what they are and these are famous <laughs> classic films. You're bringing up uh, Burt Reynolds movies. Everyone has seen Smokey and the Bandit. I know, but. It is a classic. I know. I could rifle through about 10 films from like the 60s or 70s that you have never seen in our great films. And they're on all the time on a lot of the, <laughs> uh, the, the channels, but you don't watch them. Yeah, well, how often do I turn on my TV? Well. But so when I got out of the theater, another thing that I, that was going through my head, another, another thing that I was thinking of was, you know what? This was like a Mr. Bean movie or a, or Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Because, for example, Mr. Bean, sometimes he does things without realizing the consequence or he'll just do something by accident and it's like and he'll step on something or, or throw something on the <laughs> ground and then the guy behind him will come up and slip it's on It's called it. The Follies. The follies! They invented it about a hundred years ago. The end. These <laughs> these guys do study things in film school. You I know, know. I know, I know. But it wasn't just like Jim Carrey or uh, or you know Ben Stiller or Jack Black just acting like a goofball on the screen. Mm. It was very cleverly thought out. Right. Like oh, I'm you know Buster Keaton's on the train he's like ah this wood has a hole in it i'm going to throw it out i don't need that piece of wood and then he's putting the other pieces of wood into the furnace of the train yeah. and then the camera cuts and along comes the other train and that now uh, the the piece of wood stuck in the track they can't get through yeah. like he didn't purposely think i'm going to i'm going to lodge this piece of wood in the train right. it was just like these accidental things that, that end up having much greater consequences, like in a Mr. Bean movie. Right, but there's there's the problem right there, the word clever. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be bothered with that today. They, don't, they want yeah. All they want are, are, are uh, you know, uh, sex jokes and, dirt, you know, dirty jokes and, and, and gross-out. It's just gross-out humor. That's all that they're, they're really interested in doing these days is gross-out humor. Yeah. 
And it wasn't like, you know, again, this is the only Buster Keaton movie I've seen, but it wasn't like he was, again, he wasn't just acting like this goofball for 90 minutes or 70 minutes. There were parts where he was very funny or he would make a funny face or something, but overall in the movie, he was actually a very good actor, too. Even in the dramatic parts, or or even when something funny would happen, it wasn't because he was acting like an idiot. And that's why Buster Keaton was immensely popular 70 years ago. <laughs> you don't need to defend the legacy of Buster Keaton. Well, like you said, people today, they hear the, oh, this movie's from 1927, I'm not going to watch that. There's no mm-hmm. sound, I'm not going to watch that. They're missing out. Well, I mean, I watch, believe it or not, I watch a lot of uh, foreign language films and <clears throat> a lot of times, and all you're getting is subtitles. Yeah. And after, you know, watching it for a minute or two, you don't even realize it's in another language. Yeah, exactly. So The General, I recommend 1927, and Journey to the Center of the Earth, 1959. Good I, luck finding was, them. I, they're on DVD, <laughs> and they were very good. Welcome to the Paunch Stevenson Show. Alright, so what do you have? Your turn. So I um have one last update about the Transformers and G.I. Joe uh DVDs. The cartoon? Yes. I know it had been rumored. I think maybe the last time we mentioned it was a few months ago. We had been rumored that Hasbro had given the rights to the old Sunbow cartoons to Shout Factory. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah you, you've mentioned this before. Yes. And that's actually what did happen. It's, it's Shout Factory that's going to release them. Um, so I happened to go on their web forum just from seeing some different reports and links on TV shows on dvd.com and there's two threads on shoutfactory.com and they're forum. One is devoted to the Transformers, one's the G.I. Joe release. Yeah. So the guy that is running the threads, <clears throat> communicating with the fans or whatever, is this guy named Brian Ward. And I he, I guess he's like a project manager or something like that for, for these releases and some other ones too. And he's a he was a big Transformers G.I. Joe fan, like us. He, um, you know, he's been answering questions and, you know, letting people know how, how it's progressed. It's amazing. I mean, this guy's taken a lot of fan, um, suggestions. He's like, if someone said, Oh, you know, on, um, the Rhino release, there was this problem. They missed this missing scene or something like that. He's like, Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to go back and check on it and, and this and that. So he's been very uh, hands-on and communicating with the people and all that. Yeah. So uh, it seems like uh, it seems like he's really into it, gung-ho. I, th- I think it's going to be... That's good. I know. I, I And I posted on that forum. I said, this sounds incredible. I mean, this sounds like a great release. Yeah. Well, the so, thing with the Rhino releases, because I have the, the very first volume that they put yeah. out, Season 1, Volume 1. Hmm. And, and then, of course, we have that Chinese, uh, you know, <laughs> box set, uh-huh. which was basically just a Rhino release. But, yeah. um, 
<clears throat> so with the Rhino releases, the picture quality was fantastic. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there were some things missing, and the reason why is because Rhino didn't use... It, it, the Rhino used the <clears throat> pre- Broadcast masters yes. rather than the broadcast masters. There you go. And in now, the, in the pre-broadcast master tapes, some of yeah. the special effects were not finished. Right. So there are certain scenes every once in a while. It's not really a huge deal, but a couple of scenes here and there where I'm watching it, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And it's because the flashing lights or the special effects or whatever weren't <laughs> added yet. Yeah. Now, why they did that, I have no idea, but... Maybe that's all they were given. No, no, no. I mean, why Sunbow made master tapes without finishing the special effects, I have no idea. (laughs) Now, as it turns out, I think in reading all this guy's responses, I made a lot of notes. Because actually, people were... You know, some of these people are out of their minds. They're asking about (laughs) Blu-ray. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I haven't... uh, having a 1980s cartoon on Blu-ray. Yeah, okay. Hey, that w- why not, right? All right, so what he said was, he said it's not possible because, and I quote, no one has been able to find the broadcast masters. So? What do you mean, so? So use the pre-broadcast masters. Okay, but what, what he said about that, what the problem with those are, he, he said, because he has them, he said the quality of them would be they would just look horrible if you tried to make it into like HD what? or whatever the Blu-ray. Really? Yeah, that's that's what he said. Rhino's, I believe him. Rhino's DVDs look flawless in standard definition. I know, but imagine if they rescanned the negatives or, or the tape or whatever it is. I don't, I I don't I think what he's base I think what he's saying is that it just either it can't be done or it would just turn out it would just look terrible. Really? That's disappointing. No. Now, one thing. there is Not that I care. If it's not in Blu-ray. I mean, yeah. come on. Cartoon. One of the movies that if this movie came out on Blu-ray, mm. it would be one of the reasons for, for me to finally upgrade to HD Uh-oh. TV and Blu-ray. Uh-oh. And that's if Sony or Shout Factory or Rhino or whoever did a really, really good job and redid tr- the old, not the Michael Bay, the old Transformers, the movie, uh, in high definition. <laughs> I would love that. But what's a cartoon? What's the difference? Because I love that old, detailed, hand-drawn animation. Uh, I want to be able to see every line and every... Can't you see that on Sony's release? I thought that was a good release. Oh, it's a very good release. The Rhino release is actually very good too, but the Sony one's even, even a little bit better. But imagine in HD, it would be insane. I would be, you know, Pete, I would be pausing every frame <laughs> and just looking at all the details. I, it's I know, such I, a detailed movie. I know, but you know, a lot of people complain about it's kind of off subject, but people complain about, um, you know, uh, like for FiOS, a lot of people complain. Well, why isn't there a Cartoon Network HD? Why don't they have that? Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. I'd rather have some of these other live action <laughs> HD channels first. Right. We get cartoon. They're screaming and yelling. I'm like, wait a minute. 
SD Cartoon Network or Disney or Boot. The cartoon looks fine on HDTV. It's <laughs> yeah. a cartoon. I know. What I say about what they're going to do is they're taking this this digibeta or whatever this this pre-broadcast masters that Rhino used, and he said he also got the one-inch masters from Hasbro. I don't know what these are. Yeah. Well, they're, yeah, they're probably must... the broadcast masters. No, no, no. Oh. Now, these, uh, this is something else. Oh. <clears throat> but um, he said that what they're going to do is whenever they're, they find like a video fault in, in essentially what Rhino used, that they would use these one-inch masters to fix it. And supposedly that was what Rhino did. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of scenes where Rhino actually used that technique, but there were still a couple of scenes left where it was, you know, it, it was still missing some special effects because they hadn't replaced it with. Yeah, they, they did kind of a uh, half, you know, halfway <laughs> job. A, they did. Yeah, it was a hack. Yeah. It, I mean, uh, they turned out like visually, they turned out pretty kind of perfect, other than these couple of missing uh, special effects, but. Audio wise, ugh, uh. <laughs> well, you, know, you, you just just to say, you will be relieved when I tell you, <laughs> the Rhino audio is gone. Yes, it is gone. It's been yes. wiped away. I don't know what they did, but they have. I forget. He gave the reason why the Rhinos were all screwed up, but they have the original mono recording, and they they actually made a stereo like track out of that. And that's what they did. But he said that... No, but they. I know why Rhino did that. Right. And they did this on the Gem box set and whatever other box... The, the, the G.I. Joe box set. Because it's a marketing thing. They want to be able to put on the package, for the first time ever, the Transformers cartoon series, the G.I. Joe cartoon series, in 5.1 surround sound. Now, these, <laughs> these TV shows were not recorded in 5.1 surround sound in 1984, oh. 1983. They're not even done now. So how is it possible that these cartoons being released by Rhino are in 5.1 surround sound? Oh, I know, because Rhino added their own sound effects on top of the existing sound effects, and you can't hear the voices. Mm. And so not only that, the sound effects that they added stink. Yeah, They ruin it. So it's like, yeah, okay, you have these new added... Uh, sound effects that are in 5.1 surround sound, but all the other audio is just in stereo, which is mm. fine. It Just leave it. Leave it in mono or stereo, whatever it was recorded in, just leave it. It's fine. Well, Rhino was out of business, so you don't have to worry about them anymore. Good. The Alright, so what they're doing is they're releasing the Season 1 set. I think it's coming out around the time of the movie or something like that. Simultaneously? Maybe. I mean, I uh, Transformers and G.I. Joe? I don't know about G.I. Joe. Maybe it's in the first... Yeah, that, yeah, they're both having like a first season or that first whatever release. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know what... And it might be in June, maybe July. I don't know what it is. But, cool. but the complete series set for both series is coming out at the end of July, anyway. The whole, like, like the Chinese box set we have? Yes. Really? Yes. 
<laughs> what is it going to be like seven hundred dollars? No, I don't think so. No, because the <laughs> the first season of Transformers twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, but how many seasons were there? Five. No, there's three and like you can't even consider it a fourth of season. It was like three episodes. Yeah, but that Chinese box set we have has like 20 DVDs in it. Well, this one's going to be 16. So wait, if, Ex- if season one is, what did you say, $20? $29.99. $30? Considering that when the X-Files or Star Trek The Next Generation came out on DVD yeah. like several years ago, yeah. Each season was a hundred. Each season was how much? A hundred and twenty dollars. Why? <laughs> Paramount. You got me. Whoa! I the know the, the Sopranos was like that too. It was like ninety dollars for a season. Yeah. Ridiculous. So anyway, but um, so this is good. Yes. Finds some some good news on the Paul <laughs> Stevenson. Now hold. I'm not done. Oh well. Wait a minute. Real quick though. They're doing Transformers. They're doing G.I. Joe. Yeah. Are they doing any of the other Sunbow series? Ha- Sunbow Hasbro series? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really read. They, basically, that guy said he's working on about. He's working on several projects. I don't know if they all they have the license to all that. I don't know. But uh, I don't. Know, they. I guess they might. Baby steps, right? It's, yeah, it's a good I, first step. All right, so the Transformers set is called the uh, comp- the collector set will be called the Matrix of Leadership <laughs> set or whatever. Why don't they just call it the Transformers series box set? Because you know they're not going to do that. They always have to put up some funny name. I, I, know, I know. Now I'm starting to hate it already. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm joking. Yeah, and the G.I. Joe set, I don't know what that's called, maybe it's just collector set, is going to be shaped, is going to be like a footlocker. Let me find the uh, the website for the Transformers. Look, as long as they make the packaging so that it's easy to open and close and it's easy to access the discs, you know, if they do something cool, that's fine. If they do something plain, that's fine. I hate when I buy a DVD a movie or a box set and they try to get really fancy and it's like i gotta open up this and take this out yeah. and fold this and then come on he, man. he actually yeah he actually said they were like the buffy the vampire slayer set because there is a website that they actually made for this uh where is it here that someone found Ah, uh, here it is it is transformers collectors set.com with two s's the collector's set oh that looks kind of cool and it's kind of a mock-up yeah it's pretty cool bonus features over two hours of retrospective featurettes including brand new in-depth interviews with most those most responsible for success of transformers franchise awesome i'll get to that in a second concept art exclusive voice cast reunion yes Archival has only going to be three commercials. People. No, there's a lot of people. He was still saying. alive. Yeah, he found a bunch of people. Well, it was Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, Susan Blue. There's other people. Michael Bell is he still alive? Yeah, I think he definitely got Michael Bell. I, I actually posted on there. I'm like, hey, uh, you did get Frank Welker and Peter Cullen, right? <laughs> 
No one brought it up, so I guess it was just assumed. Yeah. Well, um, Chris Lotta's dead. Yeah, he's been dead Casey a while. Casey Kasem, I don't think he would do it. No, <laughs> I don't think he would. Charlie Adler. I don't, did, did he do any voices on that? Charlie know. Adler? Uh, I think he got him for the G.I. Joe, maybe. Uh, anyway. He was, uh, he was uh, uh, Buster Bunny. That's nice. From Tiny t- And the Crypt Keeper. Okay. Uh, printable scripts, a collectible 60-page book. I don't know what's <clears> going to be in that. <laughs> Rare PSAs, whatever, whatever. Okay, the Rhino. He, what he said was people were asking him about if they were going to use the same featurettes that were on the Rhino release. And he basically said no. They weren't very good. Uh, that's his point. They were horrible. <laughs> they were a waste said. of time. Well, he didn't go that far. <laughs> he was trying to be politically correct, but he basically said they were really boring. Yeah, they were. Trust me, they were useless. He said, and basically what he said was, even when they had like an interesting person, I've he mentions the guy's name. He was like a director or something with Sunbow. Yeah. And he actually got him to do a new uh, uh, interview. But basically what he said was like he gave this guy for example. He's like, you know what? This guy gave a really good interview in this this rhino thing. But he's like, it was a disaster. He's like, <laughs> it, it was he's like, it's composed of two shots of this guy talking to a camera with a black background. Yeah, well, that's how they do it. Cheap and I, quick. Yeah, it really was terrible. <laughs> no, anyway, I remember so, one of the features of on the Rhino. Uh, the again, I have the first volume. One of the yeah, but you have the Chinese set too. Those have the special features. Yeah. Oh, I never bought. I can't tell what I'm. I, I just I, press well, play. <laughs> it was a bit of a chore to figure out which Chinese symbols got to the special features, but I did. Well, one of them. Well, they showed um, they showed the bumpers. Yeah, like going into and coming back from the commercial breaks. <laughs> eh, okay, right. They showed some uh, test animation. Yeah, which was about ten seconds long and absolutely, <laughs> it was just useless. I couldn't. No tell introduction. Was... You got. You have no idea what they're talking about. They're just running through this. Yeah, there wasn't even sound. No. I'm like, what am I watching here? I don't know what this is. And, you know, when I watched that stuff in the Chinese one, I figured it was because I couldn't understand the Chinese. No. So I didn't know what I was looking at. <laughs> no. That's how it was on the Rhino. Oh, God. All right. So anyway, um, he uh, he said he interviewed uh, Hasbro toy designers, uh, the comic book writers, uh, the cartoon people, I guess the writers and, and different people that worked on that, producers, and the voice cast. Um, also, uh, he got a bunch of, he got a lot of the uh, the toy commercials from Hasbro. Nice. I think, uh, basically what he said was they used most of them. He said some of them were in such bad quality, he couldn't even use them. Yeah. Because he said, you know, with commercials, they figured, you know, why do we have to keep this? Yeah, exactly. So they just like threw away the original masters, and and basically what he was given was like VHS copies, <laughs> you know, that they uh, yeah. used for like toy fairs and stuff. Yeah. He also said that they were they were looking to get for both GI Joe and Transformers, they were looking to get commercials for I guess the Marvel comics. Huh. I don't remember this. Yeah, I don't either. 
but I guess there were there were individual. I guess there were separate commercials for the comic books. But he said they're they're working on legal issues with that. <laughs> it's me, <laughs> I need fifty million dollars. You better believe it. I'm not releasing anything to these Transformers. Oh, Stand uh, the man. Um, the commercial bumpers that you were just talking about. Yes. They left <clears throat> them all in. Oh, cool. The episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's good. On both series. Good. And the reason he gave, and this is something I realized with the Rhino, he said, I, I don't know, I guess they made the mistake and whatever, Sunbow. He's like, a lot of times, the commercial bumper would start, like the video, and the episode audio would trail off into the bumper. Yeah, sometimes the music would crossfade for a second. <laughs> yeah, so he said, basically, rather than just cut them all off, he just left them all in. Yeah, that's fine. Because Rhino cut them off, and then because I remember mm -hmm. this, there would be times where I'm like, "What the what the heck?" In the middle of the conversation, just cut it off. Yeah, I think with uh, with Rhino's gem uh, boxed sets, which they never finished releasing the box yeah. sets, but well, they didn't um, finish GI Joe. I think on that one they left the bumpers in, mm. which is fine. I don't care; it's two seconds. Uh, Transformers the movie, not included in the set. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to be. I don't know if you know about the Shout Factory ones coming up, but on the Rhino ones, um, people were commenting like, "Why? Why are the episodes out of order?" Yeah, and they said, "Oh, we went by we went by the order that the episodes were created in, not the ep not the order that they were supposed to be in story wise. We 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 went in the production order, which is moronic." Yeah, I know. Not I know. every. <laughs> Why would they do that? Not every series, not every time. You know, the production order is one thing, but sometimes episodes get pushed back. And... Exactly. Now, now this guy, who's a big fan, he listed the episode order of the first season, and the people there said, "Yeah, that that seems like the good order." Now, he didn't say anything about the second season, which was the one that Rhino really <laughs> screwed up bad. Oh, really? <laughs> but I'm assuming he actually mentioned this book called Prime Targets, which I think is a pretty popular Transformers like compendium kind of a book. Yeah. And he said he followed their order. So I, I it's probably right. I'm a big fan of animation. Transformers, the movie, very detailed, excellent animation. Mm. And if any of our listeners out there want to see, you know, maybe not a whole feature length piece of excellent animation but just like a five ten minute thing i have the old gi joe movie on dvd yeah and the intro to that they did this whole elaborate intro where the the cobra uh terrorists are skydiving from the ship and they're at they're at the statue of liberty and the gi it is incredible mm. the directing the camera angles that they drew and the animation it's like yeah, wow. I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been fine to see in the theater. Just never made it to it. Yeah. Yeah. They, Anyhow, they, they they really did some nice animation. Right. I remember again. I don't know if this was season one or season two. There was one episode that I thought was very good, where it was what the heck was his name? Hoist was that his name? The orange uh, crane guy. He was green. 
Well, anyway, the orange guy, I believe, hoist. Um, grapple. Grapple, whatever. Grapple Grapple was orange, and hoist okay. was green. All right. So he... Um, he built this solar-powered... Uh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds like he's outside! Do you hear this? Yes. Garbage trucks. All right, so... <laughs> He built a solar uh, energy converting machine. Yeah. And he built the prototype of it. It was small scale, but it worked. It was, yeah. it was uh, functioning. So he was yeah. so... He believed in this so much. Yeah. And he wanted to build the full version of this solar energy turbine or, or whatever it was. Yeah. That... For some... <laughs> I don't know why, but the Autobots... Uh, um, uh, Optimus Prime was like laughing at him. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, grapple! That's never gonna work. Yeah. You're, you're 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 crazy. We're not gonna build that." He's like, "What? No, it's gonna work. It, it harnesses the energy from the sun." And oh, yeah. get, you're crazy. Get out of here. So he he was so um, passionate about this that he he actually agreed to have the Decepticon Constructicons help him build it. <laughs> Of course, they were tricking him, but he didn't know that because they were pretending to be his friend. Right. So they finally finished building it. Then, of course, Megatron, like, shoots uh, Grapple. And is, what? Mm. I thought you were my friends. Oh, yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> so Megatron comes. He harnesses all the energy. Now, now the Decepticons are very powerful. So anyway, the Autobots come. They end up defeating the Decepticons. Yeah. And in the end... <laughs> Optimus Prime and the other Autobots have to destroy this this solar tower. And I remember at the end, the, the uh, Grapple and, and the other guy who was helping him, they were going through all the rubble because Optimus Prime's like, you know, see, you went behind my back and you, yeah. you didn't listen to me. I told you not to build it. It wouldn't work. And now this is what happened. So as your punishment, you have to clean up the rubble. Yeah. All right, so he's he's cleaning it up. He's lifting up like the panels and everything, and he finds his little prototype, and he says something like, "I, for, I forgot exactly what he said, but he said something like, you know, we, we were so close." I don't know. I thought that still held up today, like the whole solar power thing, and the the actually, believe it or not, the writers on both Sunbow and definitely on you know a lot of people laugh about filmation. But on definitely on series like He-Man and and Star Trek, they had some some who turned out to be some pretty acclaimed science fiction writers who wrote who've written science fiction episodes for for shows like the X Files and and Star Trek later on, and have done you know written a lot of TV scripts. Oh, so yeah. I because I, I know GI Joe had some pretty pretty cool science fiction uh, types of uh, episodes that they wrote. Well, I no, just remember, sure. I actually remember watching that episode as a child yeah. and thinking, oh, that's kind of weird. He invented this crazy machine to catch sunlight and mm. turn it into power. But now as an adult, I watched it on the on the box set. I was like, wow, that was like, <laughs> they were ahead of their time with that one. Yeah, it was actually a good episode. And another good episode, again, season one or two, it was... um. It was the character. It must have been season two. The character Beachcomber, yeah, the blue dune buggy. He found this lagoon, 
Yeah, he talked like this, man. <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to be this jive hippie guy. Hey, yeah. So he found this lagoon, this pond, and all these animals were there. He was like the, the big nature guy. And he would play with the animals and everything. He told the Autobots about it. But the, the pond ended up having special properties where it could uh, strengthen their powers. Yeah. And Optimus Prime, of course, oh, we can't let the Decepticons find out about this. They'll use it for evil. Yeah. So, of course, the Decepticons find out about it. And then they're powerful. Then the Autobots go swimming in it. Now they're powerful. And they're fighting each other in the forest and the pond. And the animals are running away. And the trees are getting burnt down. And So, at the end of the episode, again, the, the Autobots defeat the Decepticons. And Optimus Prime, or one of the Autobots, says, Okay, let's, let's go back to headquarters. We won. And they're all uh, driving away, and and um, roll out. Yeah, and then they're they're heading back to headquarters, and and a uh, beachcomber turns and looks at all the burnt down trees, and mm. and uh, the animals are all gone, <clears throat> and he says, uh, he says, "Yep, we won." Yep. You know, like sarcastically, like <laughs> like it was um, it was in a sad voice, like "Yep, we won." Yeah, I mean those those shows were very well written, and they had a message. Yeah. Um, beyond the stupid, you know, the, the knowing is half the battle nonsense yeah, at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, whereas cartoons today are just these these stupid characters just screaming at each other and <laughs> farting, and they are absolutely look. I I love cartoons. Why is it I can watch any cartoon from the beginning of cartoons? Until some point around 1994, <laughs> and I can't watch anything after that. Why is that? I mean, they, they you know, it, it was the writing because they this is garbage again. Now. Like these, like these couple of Transformers episodes, they had sometimes deeper layers, Man. multiple layers. Whereas now it's just ooh, let's act stupid and. <laughs> I don't know. They they dumb it down on purpose. The television is doing that for forever. The powers that be do not want a well educated and and intelligent uh, society because then they can't get away with ripping everyone off, screwing them out of things. It's the Illuminati. Yes, but I mean at the well, same no, time, I'm, just, I'm joking about that. By the way. I, Again, also on the on shoutfactory.com. They have a like a banner ad at the top. <laughs> and evidently I never even heard of this before. They're putting out a DVD boxed set of the Dana Carvey show. <laughs> a what? The Dana Carvey show. He had a show? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I looked it up on IMDb. It's from nineteen ninety-six. It was his own sketch comedy show. No, I'm sure it was terrific. I didn't even know it existed. I don't. I, I wonder if that style of writing will ever come back. I don't think so. You know, you have these interest groups and these child psychologists that dictate everything now, and it's it's just horrible. I know, but that, but but the but they should like the old style of writing. It was better. They hated those shows. You have to remember they hated Transformers know, and G.I. Joe. They said it was too violent. <laughs> but they had really good messages. I know. 
Uh, I know. I they just they hated them. They hated those shows. I mean, so which, which one is better to in in your mind? Which would be better having mm-hmm. violent shows but that are forward thinking and feature good messages, or having shows with no violence whatsoever but no message at all? Which one's well, better? I, but I'm telling you, man, that that damn Barney, that damn Barney just ruined everything. Just ruined everything. I mean, I can remember going back like a Nickelodeon. Some of the stuff like Sharon Lowe's and Bram, the elephant show. <laughs> oh. I thought that the fat guy who was not Sharon Lois or Bram, <laughs> I forget his name. He was kind of funny. But, you know, look, that was a bad show and I hated it, but it wasn't like painful. Yeah. Or just like, you know, like Barney. Well, Barney it, was just was just insulting. It was terrible to children. Terrible. Now the only show, like I've said this before, the only show because my sister would always watch Nickelodeon, and it'd be like Sharon Lois and Brown Elephant Show. Um, <laughs> today's special. Today's special. Uh, Eureka's Castle. I don't really remember that one. Pinwheel. Oh, Pinwheel! I liked. Maya the Bee. Eh, I didn't really like that. Um, and then there was the koala. Who were the koalas? Uh, there was the Adventures of the Little Koala, and there was the Noozles. Maybe I'm thinking of the Noozles. The, um, in, in the Noozles, there were two koala stuffed animal dolls. And then the girl would rub her nose against the stuffed animal nose, and then they would come to life. Right, but it was a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. Once in a while, we have to watch. I have to watch that. Or uh... and of course, uh, the the little bits. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. Remember little bits. <laughs> um, but the one I hated more than any other. Oh no! You know it, David the Gnome. Oh, I hated that. Hated it. I've said this before. I hated that show. Yeah, I know. It was, that damn Tom Bosley. It was so boring. <laughs> oh, God. It was so boring. Uh, and yeah, they would, one, uh, the, the David the Gnome uh, universe yeah. way of saying goodbye. Ugh. Right? At the end of every episode, he would say, goodbye and Schlitzvikes. <laughs> hated it. There were a lot of cartoons back then that I would like watching. But the problem was during the week on in syndication, because Nickelodeon was really the only like cable channel that showed cartoons. Well, there was that and the USA had the USA Cartoon Express. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had like <laughs> GoBots. Well, they would show a lot. Basically, it was Hanna-Barbera. I don't know where they would dig up this stuff from, but it was so obscure. It was like yeah. the Laugh Olympics and um, Speed Buggy. It was these weird. It was a Pebbles and Bam Bam, the Flintstones. Um, mm. It wasn't Flintstones kids from from. It was uh, like them grown up. Yeah, it was like they were teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I know that was a new show. Yeah, but it was from the 70s. Oh. 
don't know. It was, and, and they wouldn't show the Flintstones. They would show the no. Fred and Barney show. Oh, God. I, t- I don't know where they got this. And then they would show the Mr. T show. Uh. Which was weird and, and Richie Rich and, uh, uh. Mr. Jinx the cat. What was it? It was like Trixie and Dixie and Mr. Jinx the cat would chase them. And, I'll get you, Mises, to pieces. Nah. I, well, I didn't used to watch that stuff. Usually after school, I would watch, like, Transformers if it was on after school. Or I'd watch, like, Heathcliff and, um, what was the other one Nickelodeon had besides Heathcliff? Uh, what was it? That's what I'm asking. Well, no, but was it a cat cartoon? <coughs> oh, Inspector Gadget. Well, yeah, I've... Obviously, Inspector Gadget, but I, I mean, like, after school, there was Heathcliff, and wasn't there, like, like Heathcliff would be shown, like, four days a week, and then one day there would be some other cartoon? Well, in, I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but in the Heathcliff cartoon, yeah, it was sort of like what, how Garfield and Friends was. There would be Garfield and Friends, and then when they would come back from the commercial, they would do a U.S. Acres yeah. uh, episode, then they would yeah. come back from the commercial again it would be garfield so in a heathcliff they would show a heathcliff cartoon come back from the commercial and then it would be those other cats like the white cat that always rhymed words yeah that's what i'm thinking and mungo the fat gray cat i don't remember um, the name and then yeah they, they were in the junkyard i think that's what they were called the junkyard cats probably and uh, oh, Riff Riff Raff was the short yeah. cat with the flat cap, and his Riff girlfriend Raff. Sonia. How do you remember these names? I watched it every day. Still, <laughs> I remember the theme song. Oh God, you remember? Yeah, the he, theme song. Heathcliff. Yeah, Heathcliff. Actually, um, the first series was from like 1980, and that was Ruby Spears. Yeah. And then they came out with a new version that was Deke. Yes. From 84 yeah. to 87. Yeah, the one that we watched was the Deke one. Right. And you'll never guess who was Heathcliff. Um, Frank Welker? No. Peter Cole? <laughs> no. Who? I don't know. Mel Blank. <laughs> he did everything. Him, Frank Welker... And probably a couple other people. They they just did all the voices. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's actually, I believe Heathcliff has been available on Shout Factory for a while also. Yeah. Eh, I don't need to watch that again. But uh, actually, Marmaduke was a, a, uh, a Ruby Spears that was originally kind of tied to Heathcliff. Yeah, well, they were both the comic strips. Yeah. And, uh, and Dennis the Menace. Right. Which came late. I don't know who did that, but I, I didn't like that cartoon. Nah. Dennis the Menace. I don't like any of the Dennis the Menace except for the original, the Jay West. Yeah, Jay the old, North. Well, the old TV show. Yeah. Jay, Jay North? Jay, yeah, Jay North. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good... You know, it was weird. Nickelodeon used to show all those old live-action TV shows. Right. Dennis the Menace, Lassie... TV uh, Land. Yeah. <coughs> um... And I remember I liked the old Dennis the Menace TV shows. Mm-hmm. And they would have the original Mr. Wilson, the guy with the glasses. And 
oh, Dennis, I'm gonna look what he did. Or like, he'd yell and go crazy. And I liked it. It was funny. Oh, hold on, hold on. It was actually called for those the cats was Heathcliff and the Cadillac cats. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had, like lived in a Cadillac. Yeah, they had that transforming Cadillac. Yeah. So they had the the original Mr. Wilson. Then they would show sometimes episodes, the same old uh live action Dennis the Menace series, but Mr. Wilson was different. Right. And instead of screaming and going crazy and acting funny, this Mr. Wilson would be like, Oh, Dennis. Eh? Look what you've done, Dennis. <laughs> well, in the crazy <laughs> like part Alan of it. Like Alan Rickman. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what the heck? Go Hi, get- Dennis. Um, you know, the crazy part of it, this is in the very like late 50s, early 60s. And no, I guess no one ever like questioned the fact that that the original Mr. Wilson leaves the show. He's replaced by another guy who's also Mr. Wilson, but his b- younger brother. Ah. Well, Mr. Wilson is out of town or something. Huh. But yet the younger brother is living there with his brother's wife. Oh, really? <laughs> Mrs. Wilson. They didn't recast her. Martha. <laughs> I know. That's why I didn't get it. <laughs> I, uh. But like, it's amazing because back then, like, that would be something that you'd say, "Oh, wait a minute! You know, how can how can you have how can you do this?" <laughs> Actually, what happened was, uh, as I'm reading this here, um, uh, it was four seasons of Dennis and Menace from 1959 through 1963, and in 1962, towards the end of the third season, uh, the original Mr. Wilson, Joseph Kearns, died. Ah, in real in life. 19, yes, he died in 1962. Wow. Um, George Wilson, of, right? Yes. Next couple of episodes did not have Mr. Wilson appearing, but later that season for about a half dozen episodes, uh, another guy, Gail Gordon, joined the cast as Mr. Wilson's brother, John Wilson. Uh, not and, as good. Uh, yeah, and he was staying as a guest of Mr. <laughs> Mrs. Wilson well, Mr. Wilson was away. <laughs> Not as good. <laughs> I don't know how they got away with that. Uh, let me see here. It says, the following year, John Wilson continued on, joined by his wife, Eloise, played by someone else. So I guess they finally figured, hey, you know, he's got to have his own wife. <laughs> Eloise, look what <laughs> his brother's has done. Um, as if he had always been the sole Mr. Wilson, Except for Dennis mentioning the other Mr. Wilson when he asked John Wilson if he could mow his lawn or really? something like that. But so they never really mentioned that again. Ah, huh. Yeah, and they canceled it because Jay North had uh, had gotten a little bit too old. Dennis the Menace was on Nickelodeon Nick at Night from uh, 1985 from 1994, and I guess it's never never come back. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I used to watch a lot of these, those old shows, Dennis the Menace and Flipper and <laughs> Flipper. Lassie. And I wonder if uh, Dennis the Menace is on DVD, the TV uh, show, not not the cartoon, the old show. I don't know. I don't see anything about it. Some of these shows are never on anymore. Happy you know, Days. Th- actually, Happy Days is on uh, a channel you don't get. I remember oh, WPIX, Channel 11, used to show that constantly. Every night. 
WPIX, I remember this. And um, then it just vanished. Yeah, they stopped showing it. Well, they started showing, like, Friends and... Yeah. They would show uh, uh, Happy Days and uh, Charles Cheers. in Charge. Cheers. And Cheers. I remember every night, <laughs> um, like, if I had a... Especially, I remember this, like, if I had, like, a cold or something, I couldn't fall asleep. And like I said, all I had was, uh, you know, just a TV with an antenna in my room, little 13-inch at that point. So, I mean, it was like a routine. I would watch, you know, Happy Days or Cheers or, you know, some other rerun. Coach. Newhart. I hate Newhart. They show that on TV line, too. I know. I hate Newhart. It's just not funny at all. His old show was good, I thought. The, the, yeah. the original that where he was a psychiatrist yeah. and then they had a show it was called the bob newhart show then they had newhart in the 80s where he worked at a hotel or something or a, a, a lodge or something like that and then yeah. in the 90s they had another he had another show called bob where he was a comic yeah. book artist what was i just talking about happy days oh the ha- happy days happy days it's on what's the channel what's the channel because it's a t- couple of channels that I've seen for the first time since in Fios. One is called American Life TV. Hmm. And they have a lot of old shows like uh, Mission Impossible and Combat. Kojak. No, they have them. But they have a lot of old shows like that. I think they even have the old Batman show. <laughs> yeah, they do. They have that on once in a while. Nice. They have some... some Yes, they have some old shows like that from the 60s. and uh... I saw someone um, <laughs> made a video, and it was, what if the Batman movie that came out last year, The Dark Knight, mm. what if that movie were done back in the 1960s when the TV show was popular? And it was very, and? I thought I thought it was pretty funny. Because the Joker acted like the old Caesar Romero Joker. Yeah, I think that would have been better. I would have actually liked that. <laughs> and they had the old costumes and they were climbing yeah. up, you know, the, that fake climbing up the side <laughs> of the building with the rope. <laughs> <laughs> and had that stupid uh, announcer. What will happen to the Cape Crusaders this time? Batman is in a pinch. <laughs> Yeah, if you go to YouTube and, and do a search for The Dark Knight 1960s version. It's very funny. Uh, actually, the, the channel that has uh, Happy Days is called Family Net. Family Net. It's kind of like American Life TV. Actually, both networks. Uh, and you can actually say this about the, the that PaxNet also. They show some reruns at night, too. Is Actually, they're all started by these like, uh, Christian... Uh, like ministries, kind of a thing. Um, wait, what? What uh, Christian TV shows are there? Uh, you know, like Seven the uh, no, no, like the uh, you know the Seven Hundred Club. Yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Jimmy Swagger. No, it's not like that. <laughs> Pat Robbins Robertson. Yeah, well, he's the Seven Hundred Club. Yeah. Yeah, he's on the Family Channel. At what is that? What is this? What is the Seven Hundred Club? What does that mean? I don't know. Seven Hundred what? I don't know. Do you remember 
I think it was last year. It was in our, it was in when I was in my old apartment in Manhattan. And we turned on the TV one night and it was that, it was like this weird public access thing. Oh boy. With that guy, Hey Harvey. Mm. And he was talking about this stupid science, uh, scientific things. And he was. Yeah, and you, you called into the show and the volume of the phone call on that, on the, uh, on the TV, they had it come so low, you couldn't even hear what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. So I forget what channel that was, but one time after that, I was, I, I, we put on that channel and it was some weird, I, I can't remember what it was called, but it was some awful, horrendous, no budget, supposed to be like a Star Trek kind of a TV show. Mm. Except it was public access. Yeah. And it was so horrendous, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> the special effects, the costumes, the acting. Um, I'll tell you, that the Time Warner or whatever, you know, RCN or Cablevision, whoever, you know, whatever the, um, the cable affiliates are in, like in Manhattan, where you can get, because I believe, I remember going through your channels that, that the Manhattan, the number, people don't understand this, you know, people figure out, you know, there's, well, the files has a lot of public access stations, but in reality, you don't get very many because there, you know, there's only so many towns, local towns they really give you. But Manhattan has like, like a dozen or so or more. And they're all horrendous. Of these public access <laughs> channels, and they make Wayne's World look just like, you can't even compare like Hollywood. I know. And it's, it's unbelievable. And, and honestly, I would rather watch some of that stuff than some of the regular TV. I don't know. It's pretty bad. It's so, it's so horrible. It's hilarious. There was this guy who, who literally this entire show, it looked like it was from like the late sixties. <laughs> Like these, all these people just <laughs> drugged out on acid and they're singing these horrible songs. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, the broadcast from the 70s or something. And you're like, no, it's brand new. They're recording, it's live. They're doing it right now. I know, it's just their equipment is so horrible. It, it looks like but it's why 40 were, years old. No, but why were they, they, were, they were all dressed like hippies. That was the crazy part of it. They probably are. Oh, and then and there was this other show that I found one night. It was like late at night, and I'm like, eh, let me put on the crazy public access station. Yeah. And I think it was called something like Animal Rock Party or Party Animals or it was something like that. Mm. And basically, it was like if someone took a camcorder and uh, and aimed it at a wall. It was maybe like a foot away from a wall, right? Mm. Aimed it at the wall and played music in the background. Like just put on a CD, like a rock CD in the background. And was holding one stuffed animal in each hand and just held them up in front of the camera so you could just see the person's hand and the two stuffed animals. Mm. And just like bounced them up and down to the music. <laughs> This was on TV. This was on cable TV every night. The stuffed animal rock party. I'm like, what, what is, how did this get approved? I mean, that was stuff that, <laughs> that I used to do with 
like my younger cousins or whatever, just goofing around, like pretending we were, you know, we were like seven, eight, nine years old, pretending <laughs> we're, we're doing a TV show with toys and stuff. Yeah, but this is adults. It's it's just that in in like in New York, you have the city uh, run or whatever these these public stations, you know, public stations for the arts and all that. And there's so many nuts <laughs> in the city of New York that it's it's just too easy to have all these crazies on there. And I guess I'm not sure, but I'm, my guess is. That as long as you submit, you know, whatever the petition is or you fill out the paperwork or whatever, that as a, you know, as a resident of New York, you're entitled, I think, to some kind of airtime. <laughs> so, I like that they have no screening process. No. So I was, I was thinking we should have made something. Well, no, I, was, I wouldn't want to be seen on that. No, but do something with stuffed animals or, uh, I don't know, just to show, like, the backs of our heads and, and have the camera pointed at a TV and we're just playing video games. Mm. <laughs> Be better than this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. But I guess, <clears throat> I mean, like I said, you know, we, the, the art town's public access run by a high school class. And obviously, you know, it stunk. Oh, it was... Uh, well, first of all, <laughs> this was 1995, 1996. And I know that it's the, it's in the high school. We, we, we didn't live in the richest town ever. Okay. This was 1996. We were using equipment from 1976. No. The character generator... It's from the, the early 80s. All right, all right. 1981, 1982. It was 15 years old. The editing machines, the VCRs, the record players, the microphones. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. The TVs, the monitors, the cameras, everything. It was like, you know, they, they made the station in, the, in what, 1981 or something like that. So they got all this cheap equipment together, and then they never bought anything new after that. Well. Until someone in our class broke it, and then they had I, to buy something new. Well, I mean, that was the thing. But that, regardless of that, I mean, most of I mean, I was watching that at your apartment, and I'm like, I know that this stuff just seems absurd, and it just looks horrible. But I haven't seen public access done this way in like 20 years since like <laughs> Uncle Floyd. Yeah, I know. And I actually like I loved Uncle Floyd show. Yeah, well, there there used to be the Uncle Floyd show, uh, the Joe Franklin show, and then the people from the Uncle Floyd show made their own other shows, the Eleventh Hour, and all. This. Yeah. But they were trying, you know, like, like Uncle Floyd and Joe Franklin and stuff, as low budget and horrible as it was, they were actually trying to, to do a, 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 a real show. Yeah. Not just like stuffed animals bouncing in front of the camera. Like they were actually, they would get, you know, the Uncle Floyd show and the Joe Franklin show, they would get 
they would get big musicians on big bands at the time. Back back in the late seventies, um, like he was actually very very big, Uncle Floyd, yeah. and. He went, he used to go to, I mean, it was the Roxy, I don't know. He used to go to like clubs in New York City. Oh, the, yeah, the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he would, like, David Bowie was like a big fan. Yeah. And people were like, you know, asking David Bowie, like, why, why do you watch this public access guy? <laughs> He's like, John Lennon kept talking about this guy <laughs> in New Jersey. He's like, he would watch him on the public access. And he's like, he would get, he would just be laughing. Oh, they were like, on he, drugs. Well, <laughs> I'm sure. John Lennon or Uncle Floyd? No, John Lennon and David Bowie. <laughs> oh, well. And he's like, you know, he's like, you got to watch this. It's such a kick. And he's like, all of a sudden I started watching this thing. I'm like, this is great. But yeah, yeah, he got, he put out records. He would do uh, stand up comedy. He, he was in some big movies. Uh, he was in Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, and that one uh, crazy people, I think it was called. He 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 wasn't the star, but no. as as lousy as and horrible and and psychotic as as some of those shows were on the New York City public access, there was a variety to them, yeah. and you could turn it on at any time, and there was a different show, and that's how, like the New Jersey public access was, now twenty years ago. You know, we're honestly like back in the days when you had 36 channels. I can remember then this is the early 90s. I can remember coming home from middle school or high school and and eating dinner or whatever. And and maybe about like seven, let's say like seven o'clock would come around and Uncle Floyd would be on at like seven o'clock. And I would be I would turn. I'd be watching Uncle Floyd on UHF. Well, it was UHF. But by then, you know, it was on cable. 68 was that was was, i think it was new jersey network but that was in that was probably in the 80s yeah but by the early 90s there was a new um public access channel which was probably worse in the sense that it was a cable channel remember suburban cable which predated comcast in our suburban cable vision yeah well suburban had its own uh, well, they had their own channel with Suburban TV 3 for a while, hmm. um, which is kind of like a local channel. And but they had another channel that was like this Kate was like a community access, whatever cable channel. And Uncle Floyd was on that channel, the cable, which was worse in the sense that, you know, he may no longer have been on broadcast or whoever could. Re- I don't know who could. I don't even know how John Lennon could even receive a UHF <laughs> New Jersey station in New York City. I don't know. Like I said, it, it was a good show. He did a lot of local stuff. He would go to local towns and interview local people. And, you know, it was, uh, and then he, he was, would, he was a he good would, piano yeah, player. He, he would do in studio stuff and <laughs> they'd start doing all these crazy skits and they'd, they'd never be able to get through it because they'd all be laughing. and Yeah, or they'd drop something or the puppet's <laughs> arm would fall off. <laughs> I know there was Looney Skip Rooney. Yeah. Right, Skip Rooney. Mugsy. Yeah, Mugsy. Um, there was the... At the end, Uncle Floyd would close every uh, episode by playing uh, some ragtime piano. And as he was playing in front of the camera... 
there was this really like weird, ugly looking bald doll called Hugo that they would like, he would dance back and forth in front of the camera. I thought it was Oogie. No, Oogie was the puppet that he would use at the desk. Oh. Yeah, he had the flat cap and the bushy yeah. hair sticking out and the red nose. Oogie, uh, Mr. Bones, I think, was another one. <laughs> oh, another another guy was um, Scott Gordon. Maybe that's who I was, was thinking the, of. The, the fat guy with the glasses. It was very informal, those shows, <laughs> the public access. Yeah, I'm reading his uh, Wikipedia thing here. Yeah, the show started in 1974 on uh, UHF channel WBTB in Newark, New Jersey. So it says, around 1976, Uncle Floyd show aired opposite reruns of Star Trek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Floyd declared war on Star Trek, and through the support of fans and fan clubs, of which there were at least 400, eventually succeeded in knocking Star Trek off the air. I don't know about that. What? <laughs> <laughs> Victory was declared, though only the most ardent supporter would actually believe Floyd show had anything to do with the programming change. <laughs> Stupid. And he was on Channel 68, and he was syndicated at one point. He was syndicated but in the early 80s in 17 different markets across the country. Wow. That is ridiculous. I know. And... um yeah, and apparently the show uh, ended in 1980, uh, 1998. I think there were DVDs. I don't know if uh, I'm going to buy it, but... Oh. Uh, <laughs> the Uncle Floyd show on DVD. When asked how Bowie learned of the Uncle Floyd show, he replied, uh, John Lennon told me about it. <laughs> That's so weird. I know. One of my all-time favorites, Tiny Tim stopped by, too, with Dr. Demento all over Tiny. Thank you, my dear friends. Thank you, Uncle Floyd, for oh. letting me be on your show again, and it's a pleasure to see you.